Hey, Bill O'Reilly here. Welcome to the No Spin News for Wednesday, June 23rd, 2021. Stand up for your country. Well, Joe Biden, the president of the United States, kind of busy today uh, with a major address about the rising violent crime situation in America. The president's about an hour late. That shows no discipline. Um, it shows a bit of chaos because the Biden administration cannot solve the violence problem in the United States. What they're trying to do is make the voters think that Joe Biden understands the problem and will do something about it. Um, both of those uh, points are fallacious. He doesn't understand the problem, never really has, and he's not going to do anything about it. Why? Because no president could. Violent crime is a local issue. All right. In your place where you live, it's up to the people that you elect to control criminal behavior. You can't do it from D.C. If you live in Idaho or Arizona or Long Island, where I am, you can't. Now, I had an interesting conversation with President Trump about this. He was outraged about the murder rate in Chicago. And I said to him, well, why don't you do something about it? And he said, well, I'm going to send Justice Department people in, U.S. attorneys in. I said, you know that's not going to solve the problem. He didn't say anything. He didn't reply to that. And I said, you really can't solve the problem because the governor and the mayor of Chicago, at the time Rahm Emanuel, now Lori Lightfoot, they don't want to solve the problem. They don't like the police. All right. They think the police are racists. And as long as those in charge think law enforcement is racist, and law enforcement certainly knows that, you're going to have a deteriorating crime problem. That's the crux of this matter. Progressive America, and Joe Biden is part of that cabal, believe that law enforcement is racist and always has been. Therefore, they want to destroy traditional law enforcement and build up or reimagine another way to protect the citizenry. That's the problem. So Joe Biden gets up there today. Well, we're going to give billions of dollars from the COVID fund, transfer it over. Federal agents are going to track down the gun dealers, the illegal gun dealers. And we're going to, and we're going to, and we're going to, and nothing will improve. Now, the corrupt corporate media, number one, doesn't care about the problem. And number two, they're never going to go against Biden. They're never going to tell you what I just told you. The essence of why the violent crime in America is ascending rapidly is that those in charge of New York City, Chicago, San Francisco, Baltimore, Los Angeles, St. Louis, on and on and on and on, think the police are racist. And therefore, that minority criminals shouldn't be punished, shouldn't have to be bailed. They should be allowed out without any bond, on and on and on. Now, the reaction to this from law enforcement has been 
blank you. Not blank me, the American citizen, or you, the American citizen, but blank you, the progressive leadership. So they've disengaged, all right? And um, former police commissioner of New York, Ray Kelly, said that, and he knows. He says the cops in New York, they're still good, and they still want to protect the citizens, but they're not going to take any chances. There's not going to be a rapid response. They know if they arrest looters, people who are setting fires, attacking them, that nothing will happen, as we saw this week. The corrupt and incredibly incompetent district attorney of Manhattan, progressive Cy Vance, dismissed the charges. Cops know that. They know they're not going to be supported by Mayor de Blasio or Governor Cuomo. This is just in New York, and it's on steroids in San Francisco and Chicago. Lori Lightfoot basically says, if you're a police officer and you see a crime, right, you can't chase the criminal. I mean, come on. All right. So this is what the problem is. The Biden is never in a million years going to address the problem because it's his crew that's doing it. So he's going to go, eh, the guns. <laughs> Look, I don't want to be supercilious word of the day here. I don't want to be arrogant. But Joe Biden has no blanking clue about how to solve any problem. The one thing he did said is that he doesn't believe in defunding the police. Oh, fine. Okay, good. I'm glad you said that. But if you look at the stats, all right, if you look, and I have my notes here, if you look at what's happening, according to the Global Small Arms Report, and they studied this stuff, there are 400 million, approximately 400 million guns on the streets of America. So no matter if you tomorrow waved a magic wand and said no more gun sales to anybody, be unconstitutional. But if you did that in a magic way, there's still 400 million guns here. And those guns, some of them are going to be sold to criminals. It's an industry. And Biden and all the ATF and all the FBI are not going to stop it. They might catch a few guys, just like the dope thing. They might catch a few guys. They're going to stop the dope trade. Because they don't have the will to stop it. Okay. So it's all a charade. It's all a bunch of garbage, nonsense. It's boring to me. I put forth a solution to this problem a long time ago. You want to stop gun violence in America on all levels? Then you federalize all gun crimes. That means if you are caught in the commission of a crime, say you rob a 7-Eleven, you break into somebody's house, you sell heroin, you do whatever, and you have a gun on you, that's a mandatory five years first offense, 10 years second offense in a federal penitentiary. If the police find an illegal gun on you, they hand you over to the federal authorities like they're doing with the Capitol insurrection now. And the federal authorities prosecute you. And if you are caught with an unlicensed firearm on your person, two years max, you have to serve two in a federal penitentiary. Now, that would just destroy all the gangs, all the drug gangs, all the crazy people. Destroy them because the cops know who they are primarily. Take them right off the street. That's how you solve the problem. But in that mix would be minority people, 
heavy minority people. So that will never be done in this country. So all of that stuff today with Joe Biden and that he's going to solve the violent crime problem is a bunch of hooey. He's not going to do anything. He doesn't even understand what the problem is. Meantime, thousands of innocent people, including children, are being gunned down by drug gangs every single day because progressives have allowed it to happen. That is the truth. You are hearing it here on the No Spin News. You will hear it nowhere else. In other news, Florida going to pass, already has, I guess, three laws about what can be taught in the classroom. Now, this is all part of Governor DeSantis's effort to separate himself from most others in the Republican Party, because I do believe the governor would like to be president. It's a long road, of course, but he's way ahead on all issues that conservatives care about. And one of them is the indoctrination from the left of the public school system. So there are three laws here that the governor uh, is going to or already has signed. All right. Happening this week. The first one is House Bill 233, which would say that the state of Florida would review all public school districts for, quote, intellectual freedom and diversity of thought, which means that you couldn't have a school board principal or anybody like that punishing conservatives or liberals and that the state would review any kind of complaint. That's number one. Number two, HB5 says that all public schools would be required to include lessons on the evils of communism and totalitarian regimes. I'm not sure about that one. The first one's good. You should review any kind of complaint that comes in. But to impose from Tallahassee on all the schools, well, you've got to teach about communism and uh, the Third Reich. I'm not sure about that um, because I want the local school districts to come up with their own curriculums as long as they are uh, fair and they are advancing the cause of education. So I taught high school in Florida, as many of you know. I, I don't think I want Tallahassee telling me, hey, you got to spend two weeks on Mao Zedong. I mean, I knew enough to present history to my students. So I'm not, I'm not sure. I don't, I'm not, I don't feel strongly about it one way or the other. I understand why they're doing it, because the socialists are running wild, and that system in communism is terrible, in my opinion. And the third one is SB1108 requires high school students as well as state, college, and university students to take a civics literacy course as a requirement to graduate. Yes, I like that. I'm in there. Now, you might say, hey, O'Reilly, you're being inconsistent. You don't want to be told uh, what to teach about a certain subject, but you want a civics course. Yeah, because the civics course is a general course, and the others are very specific. So another good job by uh, Governor DeSantis in Florida. In New Jersey, um, this is a very fascinating story. So the Randolph, New Jersey School District, this is 60 miles north of the state capital of Trenton. It's, it's a rural district in New Jersey. So the pinheads that run the school district said, yeah, we're not going to have any holiday names anymore because we're pinheads. 
And that's what pinheads do. We don't want to offend anybody. So no more Christmas, no more Thanksgiving, no more anything. It's just going to be called days off. How stupid is this? All right. And that's what they did. Well, the people, 5,000 of them under one parent, Tom Tatum, launched a petition against the school board and it got it reversed because pinheads are usually cowards. If you confront them with insanity, as this obviously is in Randolph, New Jersey, they fold. So now they're going back to naming the holidays that the kids have off, as they should. So this is happening now in a lot of places, the grassroots uprising of traditional Americans. Now, you may remember that we uh, put a guy in the air, Richard Salazar, out of uh, Las Vegas, I believe, who has started a speechmovement.org, speechmovement.org, and it basically fights cancel culture. Now, Richard's run into a lot of headwinds. He says he's got about 12,000 members, but he can't get any media. He was on this program. We talked to him, of course, because we believe in freedom, <laughs> you know, unlike the corporate media, which doesn't. So Richard can't get booked on any place else because they're scared if they book Richard then uh, Facebook will hurt them or something will happen. I don't even know. I can't get involved with it. So I can't run a Richard's organization, speechmovement.org. I can say I think it's a good thing as long as they're rational and present what they'd like to do in a very clear way. And I hope Richard overcomes the resistance from the media and gets it out to the folks. Now, there is another organization that advertises on BillOReilly.com. And you may have heard about it. Um, it's Parents Defending Education. Parents Defending Education. DefendingEd.org. DefendingEd, one word, .org. And joining us now is the uh, leader of that group, uh, Nicole Neely. And she's coming up from Arlington, Virginia. So, Nicole, um, first of all, what is the goal of your group? Sure. So over the past year during lockdown, so many parents were so disenfranchised and demoralized about their teach their schools not caring about them. They didn't want their schools open. And then suddenly when classrooms were in people's living rooms, parents were horrified about what their children were actually learning, what their assignments were, their lectures. And so parents started raising the alarm about this. And I think after George Floyd, a lot of this kicked into overdrive. We saw schools putting out statements flagellating themselves for being systemically racist. And a lot of schools took that as an opportunity to really shove diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives down families' throats, um, often with the, under the cover of darkness or without a lot of buy-in from the community. And people are really justifiably upset. And so what we wanted to do with Parents Defending Education was to let parents know first, what are your rights? You have different rights when you're at a, private, at a private school versus a public school. But when you know what your rights are, then you know when the lines have been crossed. Beyond that, we want to tell people you're not alone. Um, there are people around the country who have picked up their pitchforks and their torches and have said, how dare you do this to my child with my tax dollars? Um, there are hundreds of parent groups across the country that have sprung up just in the past year specifically to deal with political indoctrination. And then finally, we want to give people tools to get engaged. As Dick Armey used to say, Politics goes to he who shows up. We have to get off Facebook and get off Twitter and get into those school board meetings, run for office, get run for the PTA, send letters to the editor, file lawsuits, file Freedom of Information Act requests because local media has absolutely fallen down to the job of holding our schools accountable. But we have to take back our schools. Okay. 
So you have two urchins, right? Six and seven years old. They're just getting into the public school. You have them in public school? Uh, one of them is in private school, and we're actually homeschooling the other one this year. But okay. we're keeping an eye on the schools near us. All right. So you obviously are going to have another 10, 15 years of these kids going through a system that is under siege from the far left. Um, we don't see this on the far right. Do you see anything on the far right that's intruding on your kids' ability to get a fair education? Do you see any anything there? I have not seen anything coming from the right, but I definitely, we're seeing attacks from all over. And okay. this is coordinated and it's been laid for many, many years. Yeah, no, there's no doubt what's happening. It's indoctrination and it's it's actually worked at the university level. We'll get, we have another story on that in a moment that's just amazing. So it's defendinged.org and, and you basically are setting yourself up as a central organization for people who are disenchanted with their local school system, and you're going to direct them in how to combat this. Do I have that correct? Yes. We want to give people the tools and the encouragement to okay, get involved. Good. Now, just to the west of you in Loudoun County, Virginia, there's a big, big controversy about critical race theory, which is essentially white people are bad. I mean, if you really want to strip away all the BS, that's what it is. And there's a war there. Uh, between traditional parents and, and left-wing progressive parents. Are you following that, and what's your assessment of it? We are following it very closely. It's absolutely fascinating to watch just the progression of how this has infiltrated their school, and then to watch the school board gaslight parents, say with a straight face, we're not teaching critical race theory, when there are actual copies of contracts that have been achieved or that have been um, obtained through public records requests showing critical race theory training going on. And so the fact that parents have started to rise up and push back is now being painted as a right-wing AstroTurf campaign. Oh, of course. Now, has better. the Washington Post reported on your group or done anything on you? Of course they have. And of course, we're very, very evil because we care about our children. Did they actually, did they actually call you evil, the Washington Post? Did they have to go after you? actually go after Not you? Yet. No, we have had um, the Boston Globe, the Columbus Post-Dispatch, kind of all the traditional papers. And so, you know, it just shows they're not out there pounding the pavement, doing the reporting. We filed a Freedom Information Act request in Wellesley, Massachusetts, um, and we found out that they have been filing, uh, they've been separating students on the basis of race. They have affinity groups where white children are not allowed to attend. Ah, the well, Boston Wellesley, one of the most progressive, far, yeah, Wellesley, one of the most progressive far-left school districts in the country. All right, so um, this is the key to keeping American tradition intact. The folks, not me, not Biden, not Trump, not, not any politician. When the folks rise up, and this is so wrong, what's happening, and I think everybody, any fair-minded person knows how wrong it is. So I applaud you. We're glad to be in business with you on BillOReilly.com. I want you to keep me posted on any egregious school districts, school districts like you just pointed out in Wellesley, which are lying to the folks and then doing stuff behind the scenes that people might not know about. So if you do that, we'll have you on as much as we can, uh, because I do believe that in your cause. And I think this is the only way we're going to keep America sane. So thank you, Nicole. We appreciate you coming on today. Okay. Um, so here's a great story. I was on Hannity, the radio program today, and uh, he's going down to the border with Donald Trump and the governor of Texas, Abbott. They're going to do a town hall next week. As soon as that was announced, the Biden administration announced after 
after that announcement was made that Trump was going to the border, that Kamala Harris is now going on Friday. Now, that, this is unbelievable. So that shows you how afraid the Biden administration is of Donald Trump. So Trump's going to the border next week. They got to get Kamala down there um, before. So I told Hannity on a radio, and I hope you listen, because all my radio appearances with Glenn Beck, uh, Hannity, Bernie and Sid on WABC, Mark Simone on WOR, all my regular appearances, we have them for you on BillOReilly.com. And they're well worth listening to because it's a different situation. Rather than me driving the train, they drive the train and I'm answering their questions. But I told Hannity that this was actually a good thing because Kamala Harris has no, no problem solving ability at all. She, I think, is even worse than Biden. Neither of them have any problem solving ability. And you'll, you know, you just heard about the crime stuff. Biden doesn't know how to do that. As I said, I don't want to be, I don't want to overdo it. But Kamala Harris going to the border, going to El Paso, that sector, what's that going to do? It's going to make them look weak. So uh, that's a fascinating story. Um, The vice president on Friday at the border. Uh, Majority of people want tougher immigration policies. This comes from uh, the Harris poll. And the Harvard people who run the Harris poll now, I guess, 64 percent say President Biden should issue stricter policies to reduce the flow of people across the border. Thirty six percent say Biden's doing a great job. Now, 36 percent, you know, if, if you think Joe Biden's doing a great job at the border. Something the matter with you. I'm sorry. I, I respect opposing points of view, but sometimes you got to tell the truth. If you know anyone or you yourself think that Joe Biden's doing a good job at the border, something the matter with you. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's ideological poisoning of the mind. I don't know. But 64%, and that, of course, includes some Democrats, say, hey, we got to tighten it up. Washington Post, I, I asked Ms. Neely about the Washington Post because this newspaper, which used to be the best newspaper in the world, all right, at one time, is now totally compromised. I think that's the best word. So um, they have a podcast. After the success of BillOReilly.com, this really isn't a podcast. This is more of a news program that's now syndicated worldwide by the first, Okay. And it's not really a podcast, but people saw the success of this, right, where we are far and away the most powerful independent news agency in the world. I don't think there's anybody that comes close to us. So now that everybody's doing it. So they have a podcast called The New Normal, cliche right away, right? New Normal. Okay. And part of that podcast, they bring in radical left people all the time. Roll the tape. I realized that... I needed to go back and unpack and reorganize everything that I had learned because it was completely through a white lens. Most of us in doing this work have experienced this where there's a period of deep shame for being white and for acknowledging the harm that our ancestors have caused. And that's a very legitimate piece of this work. And we can't ask people of color to hold our hands through the shame piece. That needs to happen with other white people. Deep shame for being white. That's a racist statement. 
right? What if you said there's deep shame for being black or deep shame for being Hispanic or Native American or Irish or Italian or anything? You're a racist then. And you would be. That would be correct. But you can say there's a deep shame of being white. So this woman hates herself. That's her problem. Washington Post champions this. Hey, you're white. Sorry. Seattle, Nutsville. I mean, which is worse, Seattle or Portland? Tell me, you guys living in the area, which is worse? Portland, Oregon, or Seattle, Washington? What is it with the Northwest? Beautiful up there. What is it with you guys? So they have a pride parade. But it's not just gay. It's black pride. It's all what they call marginal groups pride. Okay. I have no problem with that. But if you're white, you got to pay 50 bucks if you want to go to the parade or participate in it in any way. It's called the reparations tax. This is unbelievable. So this has been organized by Trans Women of Color Solidarity Network and Queer the Land. Queer the Land is, I guess, a group. The uh, parade or exposition takes place in Jimi Hendrix Park in Seattle, and that might explain that they're all in a purple haze. Thank you all very much. Um, Anyway, this is clearly racist to charge white people money to attend a uh, to attend an event that's free for everybody else. But the Seattle Human Rights Commission says it's okay. It's all right. They can do it. <laughs> I really, I wouldn't live in Seattle. I would rather live in Thailand. I mean, I'm not besmirching Thailand, but that's how extreme. If somebody said to me, O'Reilly, you got to live in Seattle, I would say no. And I like Seattle. I like Ray's Boathouse. It's a restaurant. I like going there. Okay? I go, no. I, I'll, I'll leave the country. I'll live somewhere else rather than having to live in, in that city. Morgan Stanley, 68,000 employees, huge, huge financial company. They say to their people, hey, after July 12th, if you're not vaxxed, then show us you're vaxxed. You can't come into the office, okay? This is in New York, but I think it's going to be uh, countrywide. You, quote, lose building access. Ooh. But you can still work at home. They're not going to fire you. But believe me, if you are marginalized like this, your track at Morgan Stanley ain't going up. So there you go. I told you. If you don't get vaccinated, it's going to come back to bite you. And we'll have more on that later. In Houston, 153 workers at Houston Methodist Hospital have either resigned or been fired because they won't get the vax. Now, in Texas, there is a law that says if you are on state property or a state-run concern, you can't do that. But if you're private, you can. Okay. Now, here is my favorite story, not only of the day, but of the entire month. Okay, so you got to stay with me here. You're going to like this, I hope. Brandeis University, you heard of it? It's in Waltham, Massachusetts, nine miles outside of Boston. Now, Boston is Cooksville, one of the greatest cities in the country. I've lived in Boston many years, as you know, the master's from Boston University and a master's from Harvard, and I worked 
at the ABC affiliate and at the CBS affiliate. All right. I have deep roots in Boston. My mother went to college there. People think I'm from Southie, and I'm glad they think that. I love Boston. But it's Loonsville on the university level. All of them. All of them. Boston College, Boston University, Harvard, Northeastern, Brandeis, Tufts, whatever. But this is Brandeis. So you want to send your urchin to Brandeis, $75,000 a year. 75K. And now there is an official oppressive language guide that the students get on campus. Official oppressive language guide. It was put together by secret people. They won't, Brandeis University won't say who put it together. And there are 5,440 students, and they have to go by this list. There's abridgment of freedom of speech, totally. So let me give you some examples. You can't say the word policeman on the campus of Brandeis. You have to say police officer because policeman is an identity-based, not gender-inclusive language. So if you make a mistake, say, oh, we need a policeman. Now, I usually say police officers because there are many women. I usually say that. But if I say policeman in just conversation, now what are you going to do? Expel me? All right. The term killing it and trigger warning. No, can't say I'm at Brandeis. That means killing the mob can't be on campus. And you can't probably even read it. So the terms killing it, trigger warning. No. Okay. Because it's violent language due to the connection to guns. And the alternative is content note. (laughs) What? Um, You can't say you guys or ladies and gentlemen because it's identity-based. You have to say y'all, even though you're in New England, you have to say y'all, folks, friends, loved ones, or people. (laughs) You can't say, hey, guys, no, not at Brandeis. You can't say crazy, wild, or insane because it's ableist language that contributes to stigmas. (laughs) You have to say the alternative. This is absolutely true. That's bananas. I'm offended by that. I don't want to insult a fruit. All right? I don't think bananas deserves that. You cannot say people of color. People of color. You have to shut down CNN. You can't say it anymore. People of color is out, all right? Because it is too specific to one racial group. Instead, you have to say indigenous or black. You can't say picnic. (laughs) This is unbelievable. The term picnic is often associated with lynchings of black people in the United States. What? You can't say picnic at Brandeis University. You must say outdoor eating. And finally, you can't say homeless person. You have to say person experiencing housing insecurity. Who, what parent in there, who would send anyone to this nuthouse? Who? This day in history. June 23rd, 1992, the last dawn 
that anybody ever heard of sentenced to life in prison. John Gotti put him on up. The Dapper Don, New York City. All right, 61 years old when they got him. And he was called the Teflon Don and all of that. Now, they got him on the RICO Act. And I explained in Killing the Mob how after Robert F. Kennedy, the Attorney General, exposed the mafia for this huge cabal that was corrupting nearly every industry in the United States, the federal government in the 1970s instituted the RICO law, okay, which made it easier to surveil, to wiretap, to do all those kinds of things to mafia chieftains. That's how they got Gotti. They got him on a RICO wire, and they convicted him of murder, conspiracy, obstruction of justice, loan sharking, on and on and on and on. He died in the U.S. penitentiary, Marion, Illinois, from cancer. But he was convicted 29 years ago today. Okay. Good mail segment. Final thought on fear. Are you afraid? What are you afraid of? Everybody's afraid of something. That's my final thought. We'll be right back. Everything is expensive these days. You know that. The government is printing trillions of dollars in consumer prices higher than ever. If the government continues its printing and spending, the dollar could continue its free fall and lose its coveted role as the world reserve currency. Let's hope that doesn't happen. But there are a few things you can do right now. American Hartford Gold can show you how to protect your money, your retirement, your hard-earned savings against inflation by helping you diversify a portion of your portfolio into physical gold and silver. Start with a short phone call, and they can have physical gold and silver delivered right to your door or put inside your 401k or IRA. So please call or text them right now. Tell them Bill O'Reilly sent you. Call 877-444-GOLD, 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532. Again, that's 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532. All right, let's go to the mail. Carol Deegan, uh, San Juan Capo, California. Thank you, Bill, for standing on the air. You no longer respect Joe Biden or his administration. He is a failed man whose policies are failing Americans and America. Um, I don't know. I, I, that sounds a little heinous. I don't respect President Biden. I think he is harming all of us. I don't respect his stand on abortion. But overall, as a human being, I don't think I'd go that far. I think he's a terrible president. At least he has been for the first six months. Alan Scott, Norfolk, Virginia. As you know, Hunter Biden had many issues with crack cocaine and other narcotics. Uh, many people in our country are addicted. You would think Joe Biden, whose son is a victim, would firmly oppose a massive amount of drugs coming over the southern border and take action. No. No. He is not a proactive problem solver doesn't know what to do, and I don't think he cares very much. Could be wrong about the latter. Gabriel uh, Caponera. Caponera. Caponera? Caponera. Sorry, Gabriel. Chicago. I agree with you, Bill, that if the economy tanks, the Democratic Party will feel it the midterms. However, if more states don't tie up current election laws, how will underachieving elected officials ever get voted out of office? The massive fraud theory, all right, is not quite right. 
So you saw the House of Representatives in the last election go Republican, not all the way, but most of the way. If there was massive fraud, that would not have happened. So I believe that even though there are flawed places, Fulton County, Atlanta, Milwaukee, Philadelphia, overall, I think the folks are going to react against the O'Biden, the O'Biden, against the Biden administration. Neil, uh, concierge member, Neil gets direct access to me. And by the way, if you have a problem in your life or your family and all that, I'll help you. That's the number one primary benefit of concierge membership on BillOReilly.com. Bill, it's a fault of the voters, yes, but the problem is much deeper and far more serious than bad politicians, which is a mere symptom of what ails us. I agree, Neil. This society has lost its way. We need strong leadership to get it back. Uh, Jim, concierge member. Thank you, Jim. Well said, Mr. O'Reilly. I certainly care for my fellow Americans, but have no ability to help someone who elects Nancy Pelosi 17 times. There you go. James, uh, when a poll can tell us 52% of the people approve of the job Joe Biden is doing, I cry for my country. Again, we're not in a good place. All right, hopefully it'll get better. Robert Elgress. Ackworth, Georgia, Bill, low climb in Wyoming is more of a result of demographics, culture, and socioeconomics rather than a result of high gun ownership levels. It's all tied in. I, I don't have time to do it now, but it's all tied in. Culture is the big thing. You nailed the culture part of it, right? Crime in Wyoming is unacceptable. Crime in San Francisco is acceptable. That's the difference. Alan. Bill, the latest info I can find regarding the number of people being held without bail regarding the capital breach is 53. Does due process include bail once charges have been filed? I'm still waiting to hear if the Capitol Police officer that shot Ashley Babbitt is under investigation. Okay, let me clear this up. Been about 500 indictments, federal indictments against people who breached the Capitol. 50 of those people are being held without bail because they are considered a flight risk. All right. Sounds legitimate to me. As far as Ms. Babbitt is concerned, the officer who shot Ms. Babbitt has been cleared of any wrongdoing because she was using force to break into the Capitol. I'm sorry that the woman got shot and killed. I am. But the police officer did what he was supposed to do. And to put his name out there would put him in severe jeopardy and his family. Uh, Marguerite Gajewski, Cedar Park, Texas. I'm loving Killing the Mob. Thoroughly enjoyed reading it. Six weeks at number one. Wow, six weeks. Um, I'm really humbled, I guess. Is that the right word? I'm going to make an announcement next week, by the way, of the next Killing book, because this is so successful that they're all over me to get another one out. I did have another one, um, and we'll make that announcement. Killing the Mob, if you have not read it, great summer read. I mean, learn a lot, and you'll have fun. Okay, go to BillOReilly.com, and we have a uh, Ditch the Mask, Don the Apron, start a conversation, stand up for your country. Apron, you're going to love it, barbecuing this summer. Of course, history tour information with Donald Trump, December 11th, Sunrise is Fort Lauderdale, Florida, December 12th, Orlando, Florida, December 18th, Houston, Texas, 19th, Dallas, Texas. Um, Get your tickets because they are going to sell out. And uh, if you buy Killing Crazy Horse and Killing the SS, we have a special price for that. So you get two books for a really good price. Check that out. Don't be a troglodyte. 
when writing to BillOReilly.com. Back at the final thought on fear in a moment. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Okay, so uh, final thought of the day. You remember FDR in 1933 said, uh, the only thing you have to fear is fear itself. He was trying to tell people don't crash over the Depression. It wasn't World War II yet. It was the Depression. So don't be afraid. But, you know, there were good reason to be afraid in the Depression. My parents were afraid. They were kids during the Depression. And they were afraid. And they carried that fear their whole life. So now we are a very fearful country. Many of us are so afraid that we are irrational. Fear of COVID. Even though it's over pretty much, 40% of the people say they're still going to wear masks according to a Hill poll. I don't believe that number, but... A lot of people are still going to wear masks. Fear of vaccine. People are afraid. Well, it's going to, I'm going to get it. They're afraid. It's fear. Okay? Fear of ideology. They hate people that disagree with them. Now, I don't hate them. I think they're dangerous now. All right? But I don't hate them, and I don't fear them. I, my arguments are stronger than theirs in every case. But there's a fear of ideology. And finally, fear of economic setback. That's what plagued my father. My father was almost paralyzed. He never would take a chance. He never would invest his money in anything other than a very safe, low-yield situation. He was just afraid that he was going to lose all his money. You know how many people have fear, have that fear? So we are a nation that's afraid. And I'm telling you, there are some ways that you should be afraid. But if you're afraid to go in the ocean because a shark is going to eat you, that's crazy. All right? If you're afraid to go out of the house because you think somebody's going to get you, that's crazy unless you live in New York City. <laughs> you should be afraid. So you, don't, you know what I'm talking about. Confront your fear. Overcome your fear. You'll have a much happier life. We'll see you tomorrow.